So get you up to a high mountain, O you herald of good tidings to Zion. Lift up your voice with strength, you that brings good news to Jerusalem. Lift it up and do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. The word of the Lord from last week, now sung and connecting us to this week's word of the Lord. So who shall pray for us as we open God's word? thank you for the word that you place on Chelsea's heart, for the way that it's ruminated within her, and we know that you've prepared something to speak to us. We pray that anything that's blocking our hearts and our ears from hearing, please take that away and help us to be open. Come now, Lord, and speak to us. Amen. Uh, So we're going to turn to Isaiah 61 today. And once some of you who, one of you who has it from the Green Bible, which you can get in the corners of our sanctuary here, once you find it, could you tell me the page number to share? 536? Okay, thank you. So page 536 in the Green Bible, Isaiah chapter 61. Hear the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. Foreigners shall till your land and dress your vines. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. You shall be named ministers of our God. You shall enjoy the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you shall see you shall glory. Because of their shame, because their shame or your shame was double, and dishonor was proclaimed as their lot, therefore they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, payment, and provision. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord 
has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. So do you remember the picture of Lamentations? The book of Lamentations. Do you remember the scene that that story ends with? We spent Lent this year going through that picture, that story of the punishment that the people of God received, the punishment that we have been reminded about throughout these passages in the book of Isaiah, the punishment for the willful disobedience, the repeated disobedience where God finally said, I must protect the world from you. And how it left the people who were left in Jerusalem. So there were the princes and the princesses, the sons and the daughters, right, who were brought in exile to serve the Babylonian Empire away from the city of Jerusalem that laid in ruins, that laid devastated, the temple being destroyed, and the picture of lamentations of those people who were left there crying out to God covering themselves in ashes as a way of marking their mourning, putting on the sackcloth, the goat-haired clothing that marked them as people who as a community were lamenting and sad and broken and in despair. Those people who were left in Jerusalem while those in exile were led away continued for generations just as the people in exile continued for generations. And so last week we heard the word of the Lord telling those who were in exile to prepare to receive God, prepare to receive him in their exile, and prepare to follow him home, home to Jerusalem. This was good news to them. And it was good news to the people who were waiting to receive them in Jerusalem. But when those people who were in exile were freed by the hand of God through the decree of Cyrus and sent back, the story that we read in Ezra and Nehemiah, also books that we have heard the story of and know the picture of as a community, when those people came home, exhilarated in their freedom of being exiled people who have been brought home by the mighty arm and compassionate hand of God, they came home to a people in despair, to people who were living in a broken, ruined, devastated city of generations of that brokenness generations of hardship and pain and suffering. Generations of people who needed to hear that the compassionate arm and the powerful hand of God was on its way. 
for they, in their own strength, could not rebuild. They, on their own, could not make their community whole again. And the promise of God when he said, prepare the way to receive me and prepare the way so that you can follow me home is not an empty task that leads to a paradise, but leads to a place where we continue to proclaim the compassion and the work of God. And so God says, I am anointing someone to proclaim this good news. I am anointing someone to not just proclaim this good news, but to do the work of this good news to a people who are broken. To not only proclaim liberty, but actually to, through that proclamation as a king, make it so. To not only bring good news to the oppressed, but to bind up those brokenhearted. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor so that all know that this is a year of starting over. The year of Jubilee and the history of the people is this year where the land is supposed to go back to who it started with. That those who have gained economically on the suffering and the hardship and the downturns of others are to undo that power gain and give it back to the generations of people who have lost it. And for people who have suffered at the hands of the evil that is present in the world, the comfort of knowing that the day of vengeance of God will come because God loves justice and hates robbery and wrongdoing. And so the the declaration of this piece of the work of Isaiah the prophet is to declare that there is one who is coming with not just empty words, but who will act on these promises to reverse the fortunes and the suffering and the stories that have plagued the world. I don't know who that person was at the time of Isaiah, but I know who that person is today. The one who they waited for, that servant Messiah that we see over and over again, promised and fulfilled by Jesus, who began his ministry in the synagogue by opening the scrolls of Isaiah and finding this passage to read. And then who said, and you're hearing today, these words are fulfilled. And you're hearing today, you are seeing the one who does this work. You are seeing the servant of the Messiah who has been anointed by God to be the good news. And yet, and yet, like those people those exiled generations who have returned to Jerusalem, we continue to look around us and see devastation. We continue to look around us and see the devastations of generations, of ruined lives and cities around the world. We continue to be people who need God 
to come and be the good news. We continue to need these reversals in this world. And that is why at the beginning of the Christian year, we are called to learn to wait on God. Called to learn to wait on his renewal. Called to not give up hope in the face of the suffering that we see. Because the one who God has promised has already come and shown us that he is about this work. Look at all of the stories in scripture that we read of Jesus binding up the brokenhearted, binding them up in such a way that release from their imprisonment is given to them. Think of the story of the woman who was hemorrhaging that touched the cloak of his the, the bottom of his cloak in the crowd. And she was immediately healed. And Jesus said, didn't have to draw attention to her but then called her out so that others could see that she had been healed. He restored her into the community of the people there, binding up her brokenness, releasing those from captivity to demons, proclaiming the good news to all who are oppressed, comforting Martha and Mary as they mourned, declaring himself to be the resurrection and the life, pointing us towards this work of being people who shine the glory of God showing us what it means to grow what the Spirit has planted in us, to grow and to live and to do what the Spirit of God is springing forth from us. Because out of the living Spirit of God flows streams, streams of living water, streams of righteousness that water the oaks of righteousness that the Lord has planted to show his glory in the world. And so God tells those exiled people who are returning to Jerusalem that there's a new identity for them to have. The first 40 or 39 chapters of Isaiah are all about reminding the people and the story about how what they are going through is the suffering that they have brought upon themselves through their disobedience. And then 40 through 66 are all about of God's compassion and comfort. This is a reversal of what they deserve and a story of the grace and the mercy of God to build something new and to build it in such a way that he invites people to join him and be part of it. And so he declares to go back to this place they are to be planting of the Lord. They are to be oaks of righteousness. They are to be people who are fed and nourished on the word of God, who do what is right at the right time for all time. And like our Christmas trees that we cut down and put up for a season, 
and then wither and cause needly messes and are give us joy for the moment. The planting of the Lord is the long game. The planting of the Lord to be an oak is to be a source of God's abundance and strength and commitment in a place. To grow as an oak tree that will continuously give the goodness of God. That will continuously give glory to God. This is something that we should know well as people who over and over again I hear talking about how much they connect with God in nature. If those trees that we love so much were not living and being nourished, there would be nothing for us to enjoy. There would be no work that they were doing, nothing that they were supplying in this world. And so Jesus Jesus shows us what it means to live with righteousness. It is Jesus' righteousness that we are clothed with, and we continue to be people who grow and shine the glory of God. Ancient ruins. Who raised four devastations to the ruined cities, stations of many generations, who join in following the way that our God has showed us how to reverse the stories, how to reverse the narratives of the suffering and the mourning and the brokenhearted and the oppression and the captivity. A few of us last year were fortunate enough to hear Brian Stevenson speak at the Global Leadership Summit. Brian Stevenson runs, uh, he's a lawyer in the state, and he runs something called the Equal Justice Initiative. And the Equal Justice Initiative is committed to ending incarceration in America to the extent of punishment, they're committed to ending punishment that's present in the states, to challenging racial and economic injustice, and to protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. And much of their work has to do with children who are convicted of crimes and then sentenced to very severe punishments, as well as to people are uh, wrongly convicted and having their convictions overturned, as well as working with people who are mentally disabled and convicted of crimes and given very harsh punishments that will not help them get better. During his talk through the Global Leadership Summit, uh, I couldn't help. It stuck with me for a number of reasons, but one of, them, one of the reasons why it came back to me this week as I was reading Isaiah 61, as I hear in particular for him as a believer, as a Christian, and not everybody who works in his organization is a Christian, but in particular for him as a believer, we are called to do as people who follow after God and seek to be an oak of righteousness in this world. And he has a book called Just Mercy, in case you want to look it up, where he tells the stories of working with some of these cases. And one of the things that he says is when we are seeking to be people who follow after the way of God, 
we have to be close. We have to be proximate to the people who are suffering and the problems. That it is not just enough for us affluent people to give money to it. But to be people who turn and wash faces that are covered in ash. And to be close enough to put on garlands so that people's stories of sadness can be turned into stories of gladness. You have to be close to them. And you have to change the stories. You have to change the narratives of what people believe about themselves. So just as God does with the Israelites in saying, you are a people in exile because of your sin, but now you are people who will build and be known among the nations as the ones who are blessed by God. You have to change the stories of what people see about themselves and others. And you have to change the story about who you are. So God says in this text, you are priests now. You are ministers now. Not just relying on somebody who's up front to do it for you, but you are the priest of God. You are the minister of God who in this world, in your jobs, in your lives, communicates the love kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, peace, patience, and joy, self-control of our God. That is who you are now. A changing of the narrative. And you have to stay hopeful. We have to be people who are being fed by the power of the Holy Spirit to be about God's work and trust that when God says he will provide our payments, our needs, that he will do so. And to seek, to seek that out, to trust that God will provide so that we can avoid the sins that got Israel into this mess in the first place, which was to become greedy and selfish, uncaring for the poor in their midst, People who offer sacrifices, but who also seek justice and hate robbery and wrongdoing as much as God does. And finally, he says that we have to be willing to do uncomfortable things. Be willing to sit with people as they mourn and to avoid the temptation of the cliche words. To be willing to sit and lament as we did through lamentations and to pray and praise and find joy. To lift our eyes up in the midst of that chaos to see and join with those who are suffering that God is faithful to wonder how God is at work so that we can bring oil to those who are weeping, so that we can supply the clothes to those who need to take their sackcloth off, so that we can be like Jesus who proclaims and is good news.
But to do that, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable. We have to be willing to not know exactly what we're going to do when we get there. We have to be willing to roll with the punches and the heartache and the pain and not try to fix but be present for it is Jesus who can fix and we are simply his messengers of peace. So yes, yes, the people received comfort and compassion and yes, the people were planted by God and yes, we continue to be planted by God so that we can bring forth his glory in all of these things. But we continue to be people who just want Jesus to come back and renew this place. We continue to be people who just want all of this suffering and this struggle and this pain and this sinfulness that has plagued the generations, that is devastating us to end. And so we do not lose sight. We do not lose sight of either our place as one who shines Jesus. And we do not lose sight of our desire for him to come again. Amen.